Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. You can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our Facebook, YouTube, and podcast channels. Consider hitting like or subscribe. Consider sharing this sermon with others. It helps us to reach more people like you. We are so thankful to those who support our ministry. You can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give. In the name of the God of the borderlands, amen. Please be seated. What does Jesus mean when he says, your faith has made you well? Your faith has made you well. I suspect how we answer this question tells us a great deal about our own faith and our own sense of wellness. Now, you might quickly say to me this morning, "Uh, Mike, Jesus didn't say your faith made you well in today's story. Good eye. Our translation today says your faith has healed you. And translation is tricky. I grew up with the New Revised Standard Version, which does say your faith has made you well. Some of us grew up with the King James. Anybody know what it says in the King's English? Yeah, thy faith hath made thee whole. Whole. There are entire industries connecting wellness and wholeness. There's a grocery store just down the road called Whole Foods. When I was a kid and one came to our neighborhood, we jokingly called it Whole Paycheck. (laughs) And that joke is funny in part because it plays with this connection of wellness and wholeness, and it asks us, is wellness something only the wealthy can afford? Do you need to be the perfect image of wholeness, name brand yoga pants, organic deodorant, Subaru Crosstrek? Is that the calculus for health? I hope it's clear from my questions. I don't think Jesus would tell us that you need to have wealth to have health. No status symbol makes you whole. No bank account balance makes you healthy. Health should not depend on wealth. The Greek is more difficult in the New Testament. A literal translation of what Jesus says would be this. Your faith has saved you. I could feel the Episcopalians get a little nervous with that one. We don't talk about salvation at Holy Communion a great deal. We're not that kind of church. Isn't it funny that that word saved is associated with a particular brand of Christianity, a brand with which most Episcopalians do not want to be associated. Now, some of you are hoping that I stop saying the word saved entirely. You'd prefer that I hadn't said saved at all. And to put you at ease, I'm not worried about anyone's salvation here. What does Jesus mean then? However you translate this phrase, your faith has healed you, your faith has saved you, your faith has made you whole. What does Jesus mean? I suggest we look to the wider story. Today we hear that Jesus is traveling in the borderlands. Jesus is in a liminal space between one country and the next. And there, Jesus encounters people who have been edged out. People with leprosy were cut off because their infection posed a real risk to others. Still, life is tough for those who are excluded. 
tougher still if you have an incurable disease. And pay attention to time and space in this story. At first, we hear that the lepers stood far off. Jesus tells them from far off to go to the priests. As they leave, they are cleansed. Only one seems to notice. He turns around, praises God, falls at Jesus' feet. Notice he's not keeping his distance anymore. Then we learn he was a Samaritan. There's a lot to say about that last revelation. Now, we don't actually know whether the other nine were Jewish. The text doesn't tell us. But since the times of the early church, it's been taught that this one was not like the others. He was an ethnic and religious outsider. If indeed only the Samaritan returns to give thanks and praise, this passage has a certain rhyme to many of Jesus' teachings, doesn't it? Often it is the outsider. Often it is the excluded person. Often it is the other who shows us the meaning of faith in Jesus' stories. Cynically, I'll tell you, I think this reading makes sense for another reason. Samaritan would have been very uncomfortable being told by Jesus to go visit the priests. Why go visit the center of institutional religion perpetuating your exclusion? Why submit yourself to bigoted clergy? It would be like telling your gay kid to go visit the Archbishop of St. Louis or Joyce Meyer. There's a reason. Even when folks know their own clergy member is a member of the LGBTQ community, that I end up having coffee with new folks here at Holy Communion to assure them that it is indeed really okay to be who you are in this church. But that, it makes us countercultural. We aren't like other religious institutions. So we might understand this Samaritan a bit. Of course he would be looking for a reason to turn around. What better reason is there than that you've already been healed? And it is to this man, this outsider, this person beyond the tribe, beyond the covenant, beyond the faith, that Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has saved you. In the religious system of Jesus' day, this makes no sense. But Jesus says to this Samaritan, your faith has made you well. It tells us that for Jesus, faith is about something bigger than membership in a human institution. For Jesus, faith, healing, wholeness, it isn't mediated by priests. This guy, he never had to go see the clergy after all, thank God. No wonder he praises with a loud voice. I remember a commentary from the Reverend Dr. Kimberly Bracken Long, who says this passage questions what we mean not just by healing, but by faith. She writes, to have faith is to live it, and to live it is to give thanks. One might almost say, in fact, that faith and gratitude are two words for the same thing. Faith and gratitude are two words for the same thing. And the kids over in Children's Chapel right now are creating a dance of joy and gratitude. 
If you see one of our kiddos later on today, ask them to show you their dance of joy and gratitude. I'll probably have to bribe my son to get him to show me. And don't worry, I won't make you do a dance of joy and gratitude here in grown-up church. But maybe I should. Because as Brene Brown points out in the Episcopalian and Social Scientist, gratitude is something you have to practice. Having an attitude of gratitude, she says, doesn't count for much. Having an attitude of gratitude is like wearing yoga pants and not doing the yoga. You have to practice if it's going to make a difference. There's a lot of yoga pants in this sermon. But still, you have to practice. The Samaritan practices gratitude. He gives thanks, scripture tells us, in a loud voice. He falls at Jesus' feet. I know some of us are good Protestants, and all this talk of works, even in the collect today, might make us nervous. Didn't Martin Luther tell us that we were saved by faith, not by works? But friends, let me tell you in the words of the epistle of James, faith without works is dead. And James goes on, imagine a brother or a sister who is naked and never has enough food to eat, what if one of you said, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal? What good is it if you don't actually give them what their body needs? In the same way, faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity. That's all from the letter of James. So maybe I ought to have us all practice a joy and thanks dance. And maybe that's what we are doing here today by coming to church on a perfectly beautiful October morning. Maybe your practice of faith is a practice of gratitude. Maybe all that standing up and sitting down and kneeling we do is your joy and thanks dance. And still, I think most Episcopalians could stand with a bit more dancing. Before I let you go, I want to notice one more dimension of this text. One more thing about gratitude and faith and salvation and belonging. I just introduced a new term into the mix, belonging. This is a man who has been told because of his health, because of his ethnicity, because of his religion, that he doesn't belong. This is a man who is pushed to the edge of the edge of the edge by factors beyond his control. Jesus so radically centers the people at the edges and part of what makes Jesus' teaching so powerful is that it still challenges those of us who think we are religious insiders. Brene Brown, who I mentioned earlier, writes about belonging. Much of our anxiety, much of the difficulty of life today, she tells us, comes because so many of us are made to feel we don't belong. There are two ways to use religion to reinforce your sense of belonging. The first, unfortunately, is the most well-known. People often use faith to exclude others. By counting some out, they try to count themselves saved. I wonder if a lot of the exclusion that happens in the name of the church isn't just an attempt to shore up a sense of belonging for fundamentally insecure people. But there is another way it's counterintuitive and countercultural, but friends, I think it is what Jesus is trying to teach his followers in this story. The other way 
that your faith can support your sense of belonging is simple. Let your faith be the reason you include someone else. Let your faith lead you to the edges, to the borderlands. Have you ever befriended someone who looked a little lost? Have you ever seen someone standing alone and walked up and welcomed them at work, at school, in the neighborhood, at church? If you haven't lately, I invite you to try soon. Notice the person juggling the bulletins and the hymnals. Notice them when they don't have someone to talk with at coffee hour, looking a little lost. Helping someone new to learn the ropes has this powerful side effect. It shows us how deeply we belong. Our belonging doesn't have to be dependent on someone else not belonging. It turns out by including others, we can get to know how deeply we are included. God, it turns out, doesn't need us to keep folks out. So what does it mean when Jesus says, your faith has healed you, your faith has made you well, your faith has made you whole? I want to suggest it's more than physical. Jesus' healing is more than any one individual's diagnosis, ethnicity, or faith. Jesus' healing is about helping us recognize that all of our divisions are only hurting us. Deep down, every one of us belongs. Everyone. Beneath all the games we play on the surface, we are already whole. Sometimes we just need to be welcomed. Sometimes we need to do the welcoming so we can cut through the noise and know. Practice faith. Practice gratitude. Practice including others. Because these practices are the gateway to knowing wellness, wholeness, and salvation. Amen.